So to spark conversations and encourage new perspectives, we use monthly themes. The individual words are not creeds or theological endorsements by any means. Rather, they're a common starting place. They're like hooks to hang our intellectual hats on. So we use them for classes and religious education, sermons today, articles, and especially parking lot conversations. We use them because we are a church that incites questioning and doubt as valid paths to insight. Our theologies change with experience and maturity and reason and love, and we humbly acknowledge we cannot know everything and admit to mystery, which conveniently is our theme for June. Mystery. So seeking an entryway into this theme, I could evoke the mystery of the natural world right outside our windows. It's grandeur and it's brutality. For example, the title for this sermon, Mystery Creates Wonder, comes from a quote by the astronaut Neil Armstrong, the first human to step on the moon. And while he was addressing Congress to convince them to continue full support of the space program, Armstrong explains the infinite nature of mystery. The earth is, in fact, traveling many thousands of miles per hour in the direction of the constellation Hercules to some unknown destination in the cosmos. Man must understand his universe in order to understand his destiny. Mystery, however, is a very necessary ingredient in our lives. Mystery creates wonder, and wonder is the basis of our desire to understand. Who knows what mysteries will be solved in our lifetime, and what new riddles will become the challenge of the new generations? So Armstrong says, mystery is necessary. And I will add, mystery is unavoidable. For Armstrong, these endless cosmic mysteries drive inquiry, drive scientific discovery, drive space landings. And this same mystery drives our religious inquiry an early seminal Unitarian intellectual, Henry Ware. He shook up the world when they named him as uh, head of the divinity school, of a chair in the divinity school at Harvard centuries ago. Henry Ware describes mystery as an essential reverence for that which we are incapable of understanding. So mystery is necessary, and mystery commands our respect. But for today, 
Let's move away from cosmic mystery to our favorite subject, ourselves. Let's examine some of the ways we are the mystery in the world. We imagine that unknown frontiers are out there, out there, out there, when the daily unknown and unexpected are right here and right now. Our efforts to understand out there will always be influenced by in here, in here. The questions we ask, the resources of time and money we spend, the limits of our knowledge all point to current mysteries we can and cannot solve. Many years ago, I get a call from a friend wanting to have lunch. She's upset from a conversation she's had with her husband. After the salad, she blurts out, I could handle him telling me I'm fat. I could handle him pointing out wrinkles and gray hair. I could handle his criticism of my housekeeping, my cooking, my parenting, and how I balance or don't the checkbook. But what he said to me is so much worse. My eyes grow wider as my mind struggles to imagine any other possibilities, and I wait to hear his horrible comments. He's a gentleman, so I can't fathom what he said. Shaking, she says, as we're having dinner with friends, he answers a question for me, and then says, I know her so well, I know what she's going to say and do. I was hurt and confused, and then I was furious. He essentially said I was a set-in-stone person and would not change or evolve. It was insulting. It was arrogant. Really, it could never be true. I immediately began to question our future together, our marriage if he thinks he knows everything about me. Sure, I can be predictable. At times, we all are. But I firmly believe all people can and do change, no matter what. We can hasten the process. We can be attentive in the ways we change, so it's for the better. He wasn't even giving me a chance. He figures at 80 I'll be the same as I am now at 40. I change second by second, and yes, I will take a glass of wine after all. So I had to agree with her. We move into murky waters when we make assumptions about another person, no matter how well we know them. We sink into quicksand when we make assumptions about others we do not know well this morass is stereotyping. So the spiritual work of being human is the effort to understand others while 
always keeping in mind the task is infinite and unattainable. Empathy and compassion require admitting at our core that we cannot know everything about someone else, about anyone else, even ourselves. We remain mysteries to ourselves. Many here would readily accept the label of humanist, a worldview that begins with humanity and its thinking, sensing capabilities. And this philosophy is in contrast to others whose starting places are all over the map, but some that we are most familiar with are starting place of God or spirit. And for me, self-reference, starting with being human, is the most honest starting point for any philosophical, scientific, creative, or religious endeavor. We step out into the world with our consciousness guiding our observations. It is through our sense of self that we process our emotions, our experiences, our thoughts, our humanity by necessity is our central reference point. But our goal as religious people, as rational people, as compassionate people is to be on the lookout for all the ways our perceptions are I'm going to use a superlative, always colored and limited by our bodies and minds. So we come together to see through our cognitive biases, to be confronted by our own heuristics, and to step aside from our errors of attrition, of either blame or grandiosity. If you doubt that humans are an infinite source of mystery, I point to Maya Angelou's poem about the inexplicable nature of sexual attraction. We could try reducing desire to predictable electric impulses and chemical exchanges, but a cold biological calculus will never completely forecast sizzling human behavior and choice. It's the fire in my eyes and the flash of my teeth, the swing of my waist, and the joy in my feet. That's a poetic description of the mystery of lust. Lately, I've been interested in the human mystery around money. As long as we're going to talk about sex, let's talk about money. Um, 19th century economic theories assumed humans were predictable and rational and had a name, homo economus. In In this view, humans are narrow, self interested actors who make expected utilitarian choices. 
toward clear financial goals. The theories ignore important aspects of irrational human behavior and our mystery. And as one critic heckles, homo economist assumes a person to be a lightning calculator of pleasures and pains who oscillates like a homogeneous globule of desire for happiness under the impulse of stimuli that shift but leave him intact. And this 200-year-old theory based on incomplete depictions of rational human economic behavior still inform and shape financial markets and government policies today. But back in the 60s and 70s, when economists started to take emotions and psychology and cognition and even mystery into account in financial thinking and decision-making, the results are very different. The predictions are much closer to reality. This newer field is called behavioral economics. Several years ago, I had an aha moment about my own spending and saving when I read about what the academics call loss aversion or risk aversion. My level of pleasure from finding a $100 bill will nowhere match the level of my dismay if I lose a $100 bill. I feel the loss much more deeply. The pain will linger. We feel the pain of loss much more acutely than we feel the pleasure of gain. It's often why those joys feel fleeting. Another example of this irrational response shows up in how a transaction, a financial transaction, is framed if it's framed as a loss or a gain. Would you rather get a $5 discount or avoid a $5 surcharge? Our uneven response to gain and loss is not limited to money and is useful in our church life. We hold each other in times of celebration as well as loss. We anticipate the mystery of grief, its unknowable depth and duration. Our Sunday worship, our memorial liturgy, and our ongoing efforts to surround with love those who are coping with any kind of loss are rooted in knowing pain can be deep, deeper than any joy. So being a church, we are a network of abiding complexity and ambiguity, accepting mystery alongside reason invites us to be disciplined about intellectual and emotional humility. Awareness of mystery shapes our relationships and our actions. We develop the restraint to not demand certainty. We work to accept the discomfort of mystery 
as we choose to live in the questions. Mystery is not a secure place to reside. We can feel powerless in the face of mystery and its reminder of our finite limits. But in the end, it leads us further down the road to truth, wisdom, and integrity. When I get stuck, I share with you this helpful litany from 20th century minister Gordon McKeeman. And I use his litany to cope both with the joy, a little smaller, as well as the anxiety of mystery, bigger. He writes, How does one address mystery? Cautiously. Let us go cautiously then to to the end of our certainty, to the boundary of all we know, to the rim of uncertainty, to the perimeter of the unknown which surrounds us. How does one address mystery? Reverently. Let us go with a sense of awe, a feeling of approaching the powerful holy whose lightning slashes the sky, whose persistence splits concrete with green sprouts, whose miracles are present in every place and moment. How does one address a mystery? Hopefully. Out of our need for wholeness in our own lives, the reconciliation of the mind and heart, the conjunction of reason and passion, the intersection of the timeless with time. How does one address a mystery? Quietly, for no words will explain the inarticulate or summon the presence that is always present, even in our absence. But what shall I say? Anything. Any anger, any hope, any fear, any joy, any request, any word that comes from the death of being addressed to being itself. Or perhaps nothing, no complaint, no request, no entreaty, no thanksgiving, no praise, no blame, no pretense of knowing or of not knowing. Simply be in the intimate presence of mystery, unashamed, unadorned, unafraid. May it be so.